Cooper comes up, hits it. Yeah! yeah! Oh my god! Oh my god! What a goal by McFadden! Go, Bleach. There's the goal! Richie! Hello and welcome to the official Scotland podcast here in the National Stadium, Hamden Park. Delighted, of course, to be joined today by Colin Hendry, a real fan's favourite, cult hero. Call it what you will, your time in a Scotland jersey. Colin, lots of memories, a fantastic Scotland career, so I think it, it makes sense to start way back at the beginning. You grew up in Keith in the northeast of Scotland. Yeah. What, what was your, your football upbringing like then? Well, I just played the game and enjoyed the game as... Any other kids, I don't know so much of the kids do it these days, but, you know, I was just, uh, any given moment, any given time, get the ball out, let's have a game, uh, until you were literally flat out, and you're ready to go to bed, and, and that's that's really how it was in the northeast of Scotland. Um, I played for my local junior side, Isla Vale, I played for Keith FC, which was the Highland League side, but I played for the, the youth side, because it was only like, really 15, 14, 15, so I was really young when I broke into that, was because that was an open age um, group. It was for an, o- an open age group. Um, and then I managed to get my debut for Highland League Keith, the first team, uh, when, I was, when I was 16, and I scored my debut. So it was really, I can only regard it as the same as a lot of kids these days. Football's the be-all and end-all, and that's what they consider themselves with football and nothing else. But of course, these days, with everything else that's going on in life, there's a lot of different things that can sidetrack kids and everything else. But um, no, it was all about the game for me and just enjoying myself. I did read a story this morning that you started off as a striker. I don't know yeah. if there's any No, oh, yeah, yeah, that, I was yeah, a striker, yeah. And I've, um, I've given up my Sunday to come here and watch the Portugal game as well, as for you guys. So I always play on a Sunday uh, down in Lithams at Anse, where I've been there for 20 years, and I play up top. I'm a striker You've for back up top, so, full circle. Yeah, I, like yeah it. I got fed up at the back, to be fair, a wee bit. Um, but yeah, I started as a striker um, at Keith uh, with Bobby Wilson, who found me. Uh, I then signed for Dundee, 1983, uh, as a striker with Don Mackay. Don then left, uh, Jockey Scott, uh, Archie Knox took over. And it's more Archie, really. He said, no, you're a centre-half, not, stri- not a striker. And then turned around again. I went to Blackburn in 1987, signed as a, as a, as a defender. But I then played up top again as a striker for Don Mackay. And as I briefly mentioned earlier, scored a winning goal in the cup final at Wembley for the, the full members' cup against Charlton for Blackburn. We won 1-0. Um, and after that, when I got to Man City, well, I was at Man City for two years. Howard Kendall, he said, really, Colin, you're a centre-half. And I went back to Blackburn with Ray Harford and Kenny Daglish. And Ray said, listen, I'll put you in the straight and narrow. And it was really Ray after that who said, listen, you're a centre-half and nothing else. What were your earliest Scotland memories then of perhaps you know, watching, whether it's on TV or getting to games? Oh, oh, listen, I was the greatest Scottish fan ever. I mean, we went to the World Cup in 1982 um, uh, in Spain. The whole family was saved up in the club uh, in Keith. And I managed to get to the three games. Uh, I can remember travelling to Seville um, for the Brazil game. And uh, the hotel had organised the, the transfers and the packed lunches and everything else. And of course, in them days, 1982, there was no air conditioning. So by the time we got to Seville, the sandwiches, the margarine and the butter was running out the sandwiches. And it was like swimming with bloody margarine in the back of the bus. Um, and it was like 100 degrees in Seville on the, on the day. But... Uh, no, I, I followed Scotland as a kid 
as much as I, as much as I, as I could or as I can, um, or I did, uh, in between delivering newspapers and um, delivering the gas cylinders for the for the the local iron monger, uh, and that was my job, save my money up. I used to get down to Hamden as much as I could. In '82, did, did you meet Alex McLeish? I met Alex over, McLeish over, outside. Over outside, that would have been the game against New Zealand um, when we won five-two, and it was just outside, and that was in Malaga, that game. Uh, and I was I was just going past my dad and said, oh, "Here's Alex McLeish," and Alex was in the strip because he he didn't I don't think he played that game, Alex, um, or he was in the strip for the game. And it was just just like me meeting Alex, it was fantastic. Just with that boy who, I mean, Alex is not much older than me now, I don't think. But there again, you know, it was it was just great, great memories. A bit of a late starter, really, into the Scotland yeah. setup. You don't get your first cap till you're 27. You managed to rack up more than 50. I mean, that, that that's quite something. Did, did there did there become a point where you perhaps worried that it, it would never come? Well, Kenny rang me on the Friday. We were playing Sheffield Wednesday on the Saturday, and um, Kenny rang me and he just said, Colin. Um, just to let you know, I said, Gaffer, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sleeping, I've got a big game in the morning against Sheffield Wednesday, why are you ringing me? What's more? And then, well, at that time you didn't really have readily mobiles, so um, it was the house phone, Denise had answered it, and uh, she said the manager's on the phone, he's desperate to speak to you, and I, I prepared my usual preparation for my game on the Saturday. He said, just to let you know, sorry big man, he said, you've been picked for Scotland. I said, aye, okay, right, cheers, thanks, we'll go back to sleep. But then when it hits you, you think, Christ, it's... That's the pinnacle, you know, like playing for your country. Um, and of course the rest is history, you know. Yeah, it was, it was just something else up in Estonia. Yeah, the first game, Kev Galley scored his goal and we, I think we'll, we won 2-0. How special a moment was that then? Because, I'm, listen, I'm, I'd imagine as any Scottish footballer, it's, it's a proud moment. But you've already spoken about how proud you were as a, as a Scotland fan. That, that yeah. must have meant the world, that, that yeah. first Yeah, experience. I mean, the, the whole Scotland career thing for me was, you know, and it's it's a shame that we've not reached them heights since just since since the World Cup in nineteen eighty two. It is it is um, sad to say and to talk about. Uh, but for me, having been the kid that kicked the ball in the streets and created his own footy team in Keith, my dad was a manager and we were getting initially we were getting tanked twelve, fifteen nil, but we were a young team and then we then came of strength and we were beating teams the same and then I would go on to play for Keith and Isla Vale and sign for Dundee then Blackburn and then of course with Scotland it was just a fairy tale you know as, as, as stories go um, but having been to the World Cup in 82 in Spain and watched Scotland here against the likes of Northern Ireland well my mum and dad wouldn't let me go at the England games but <laughs> Northern Ireland and uh, Wales and you know other games you're thinking you know for me it's just it's good. it can't get any better. That Couldn't get any better. That was obviously Andy Roxburgh who gave you. Your, Andy your gave me the, the, the initial the what B was, cap. What was he B like cap. as a manager? Well, I only played the one game under Andy. I got invited to play in a B, a B game mm -hmm. at East Germany, where he said that was for oh goodness, I think the 90, campaign. The campaign yes, mm -hmm. I think. And he says um, if you can push yourself into that, then you've got a chance of being in the squad. I didn't make it. I think we, I think we won one 0 if I recall that properly, but. Um, the initial game, my first ever game against Estonia, up in Estonia, when Kev Galley scored his, his, his first goal as well. It was just, that was it for me. You mm. know, that was his, 
as good as it gets, sort of thing. I mean, your Scotland career obviously mostly overlapped with with Craig Brown in charge. But what yeah. was he like to, mainly, to mainly play Craig. under? Feather Brown, as we call him. <laughs> um, a few stories I would imagine. Yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, some 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 great stories. Um, but you know, he was he was he got the most out of everybody. I think because I wouldn't say as you, as you look at a lot of modern day coaches and everything else that's involved in the game, they've, they've been teachers or public speakers or whatever. All right, they can conduct themselves and they can get themselves across. Craig Brown was a teacher. Brainy was a teacher, but he looked after everybody. He made sure he made sure that everybody felt important, and that was from Huey Allen, and who also looked after the kit at the time, and everybody you know the coach driver, the people at the hotel looking after, but the security that we had at that time, everybody that was involved was made made to feel important, and that's how Craig really gathered everybody together and made a team of it. How important is that? Because I guess when you come away, you're only here, you know, a few days, a week at a time. Mm. There's maybe not the chance to become technically better or anything like that. Is it about just galvanising everyone? Over, and it's a ticking over process. And then Craig would say, watching everything that's going on in the club, your, your, your club football, then he wouldn't set up a system where it was really foreign to anybody that they couldn't play it. And generally, it was a three at the back. And because of this... Cause we did really well because of that, I thought, because um, we had good players in front of us as well. Gary McAllister, John Collins, Craig Burley, and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of players in there that could handle the ball. And, you know, we did have an, uh, a route out, not going direct, not lumping the ball forward, because we'd got some decent strikers as well that worked their trolleys off, to be fair, like Sir Gordon Jury, Kevin Gallagher, Billy Dodds, and all these, you know, there's a, Scott Booth, they worked very, very hard um, at putting other teams under pressure. But then with the three at the back, we, would always, we could always drop the two white men back in. And it's, it's difficult to beat. That's what we were really, quite difficult to beat. Yeah, I mean, the, the goals conceded from that time show that. And yeah. I guess yeah. nowadays that's, you know, it's, it's a very uh, in-fashion statement. You know, teams need to be hard to beat. Something perhaps our national team's trying to do at mm. the moment. Was that something you felt that the team sort of prided itself on? Well, what it is, it gives you a platform. You start, you start with zero goals against. And then... And the one thing about the game that everybody at a certain level is always, will always say, you'll always get a chance. You know, you, we just need to look at that result yesterday, Armenia against Gibraltar. You know, Gibraltar were always going to win a game at some point um, because they're not that, that bad. But, you know, they are down there with the likes of the San Marinos and everything else. But when you play a game of football uh, or you play any sport, you know, you're always going to get a chance. The opposition, you're always going to get a chance. And if you don't concede, and you take you, you you take your chances when you get them. Then, you know that's how that's how we did win a lot of games. You know we went to like Austria, and qualification in a qualification beat we won two 0 I think we went to Greece. Um, I think I can't remember if we got beat there or, or, or I think we actually won there, did we? I can't remember in the Greece game. But we did we do we, we were doing in the qualification processes. We were actually doing quite well, and not conceding goals. And even if we did, you know we'd always some good chances and score goals and yourselves in front. What are your memories of that qualifying campaign for, for Euro 96 then? I mean the sort of mid to late 90s is when a, a lot of your great football memories come around. Can you remember much about the, the build up to Euro 96? Well just the fact that it was because it was in England you know um, we had a good campaign again and you know we, we it was just a wee bit unfortunate that we drew <laughs> the host nation England 
you know, because it was it was like a home. I, I can't say it's a home game for us, but because it's, we don't have to travel, and it's like a car journey, two or three hours car journey down the road from the likes of Glasgow, or an extra hour from Glasgow down to the likes of Birmingham for the games against Holland uh, and Switzerland. Um, it wasn't far for the fans to travel, and that I mean the atmospheres at these games, the three games, was just incredible. Really, just you know, it was unbelievable. I don't think the, the, the team went into the tournament in, in great form in terms of the, the sort of warm-up games. Th did you fancy your chances of qualifying? I mean, you've acknowledged that it was a tough group, so wh yeah. where were the belief levels, if you like, going into Well, not to lose against Holland. was That was very important, not to lose against them. Um, we did all right in the second half as we came out. Well, we did okay in the first half against England at Wembley, and we came out and, you know, we we didn't we didn't set off, but... We were, I thought we were good enough for a point in the England game. Um, and of course, everybody talks about the Gaza goal and you know, credit to him. And, you know, it was a great goal. You know, you got to put your hand up, but if you miss a penalty, I think that's a hard part. You know, I mean, Yuri Geller's taking the credit for that, apparently, because he said he moved the ball or he, he whoever through the powers that be, moved the ball. Uh, but if we'd scored that, I think, you know, we could have maybe went on and actually won that game. Mm -hmm. But that was a kick. That was a real kick in the teeth. The, the England game because we'd done so well against Holland and not conceding. I mean, we did. The, it was a bit of a peppering against um, Holland, and then the final game, of course, we had to beat Switzerland by a few goals. But didn't realize. Well, we did realize at the time, whilst on the pitch, because I'd gone from centre half up top to get a second goal after Coyce had scored the first goal, that England um, were four 0 up and then conceded. So that, that made its way to the pitch. Yep. How did you find out? Is it does the crowd let you know someone in the No, it's just Craig. Craig says, listen, second half. He said, I can't recall how England were up at the time at half time. But he said, uh, you you okay to go up top? I said, Yeah, I'll go up top as and when or bring someone off and put another striker on and we'll just go end to end. We'll defend as a four or a five at one end and let the four or five attack at the, the other end. Switzerland Switzerland's up there out of it. They, they, they're out of it anyway. So it's really us to score more goals or in relation to the, the score score line against uh, England against Holland at uh, Wembley sort of thing. So, But he decided to stick me up top and then the next thing, I think we were, for a, for a small moment we were in, we were going through and then Big Seaman, who I have a, I have a pop at him every time I see yeah, him about, about that goal, yeah. Um, the Holland goal, but of course, I mean, in the end, it wasn't enough. We didn't really do enough, and you know, we, we couldn't ask any more than English to to give a few, stick a few goals past Holland for us, you know, to make it to the next stage. Do you feel like the, the Gaza moment you mentioned? Does that follow you around still? I noticed on social media a few months ago him having a bit of a, a joke with you and you saying back, "Well, don't worry, I've got the English Premier League yeah, medal and all the well, rest of yeah, it." Well, yeah, I mean, guys, we, we, we've gone, we get on well. Um, we've met many times since, we've played in the same team for charity since, we've played against each other since as well and um, it's good to see he's back on the circuit and he's doing well and he's looking better. Um, but yeah, it follows me, but the, the, the one answer I've got to that is, is that it's taken England's greatest ever footballer to do it to me, so you know, that's, that's as good as it gets sort of thing. And I, listen, I can't move on from Euro 96 without mentioning the, the Braveheart nickname. The film is, yeah. is re released the year before. How does that come about and uh, how, how do you, you look back on that time? Well, 
I think it was just around the time. How old was the film? Was it the film? Like a year the, old. The, 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 95 or yeah. 94, the, the film came out. Um, the, and it was, you know, I, I only watched it a few few months back with my girlfriend because she'd never seen it. And uh, sat and watched it. I said, what a great film that was. I said, yeah, it's a great film. Great story, everything's great. I said, um, it's just in the end he, he dies sort of thing, you know. So I said, when we went to Wembley, or went to the Euro in 96, I said, obviously, we were going to die at some point, but I didn't expect to die after the first three games. Um, but no, it's, it, the, I don't know, the blonde thing and all that. It still follows me, yeah. And I've used the name, I use the name on Twitter and stuff like that, and it's just a bit of banter. That's what it is, really. Move on to, 90, move on to 98 then, the qualifying campaign for that. Put Scotland against some decent sides. Austria, I think you mentioned earlier on, uh, a Sweden side containing a, a young Henrik Larsson yeah. as well. What do you remember about that qualification campaign? We were good. I thought we were. We were. I think the game up in was it the game up in Sweden. Um, uh, we get beat, Martin Darling, and uh, did, did Henrik score? I don't know if he scored in that game. Maybe Thomas Brolin. I can't remember if he played either. But we, uh, I, I, I came across the first time and the last time, um, Colina, the referee who. It was as big as me, as tall as me, and he, the big popping out eyes. It was a stare, wasn't and, it? <laughs> and I, I, uh, I was furious about something that happened in the game. I got caught, and I just went up to him, nose to nose, and he just brought the yellow, the yellow card out, just straight in my face, and I thought, you know. But that's then. That was a learning. Well, it wasn't a learning process, but certainly something for me from such a great referee, because he, I think, he went on to become in charge of the European referees and yeah. everything else and stuff like that. But uh, that was one thing that did stand out, because I think we get beat. Yeah, we did. Get, we get beaten Sweden, um, but no, uh, it was a tough campaign. It was a tough campaign. But Full of incident as well with the the Estonia, Estonia situation. Estonia, you, 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 you didn't play over there, did I you? I didn't but play. No. I was injured for the game in Estonia, and then I'm watching, you, you know, because you think, you're, well, I was listening to it, but then I seen it afterwards, and I'm thinking, how surreal. You know, it's just a little bit like how England had to play the game the other night against uh, Croatia, in Croatia. Um, but that was an actual game, whereas that wasn't the game, you know, Johnny Collins kicks off, and and then, and of course, we, we played Estonia down in Monaco, um, drew 0-0. Which was a disappointment, um, and but then it didn't help us either because it was like it's a nothing game for anybody involved in Monaco in that area. Yeah. Estonia is not going to bring any fans. We 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 had our usual great support, but it was really difficult to engineer some sort of atmosphere at the game, you know, and 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 help you. Um, but hey, didn't come against us. So when Gary McAllister moves on, you get handed the captaincy. That must have been. Obviously a proud moment, but perhaps a bit bittersweet in terms of you, lo you lose a player like Gary from Very. the team. What happened was it was in December and I got a phone call um, late at night. It was about 10 o'clock, half past 10 at night. And there's a reporter, he, a Scottish reporter, he just said, Colin, have you had the news? I said, no. He said, oh, Gary, Gary McAllister's got injured tonight in a reserve game. He's coming back from injury. I said, oh, is he? I said, what are you ringing me for? I said, unless he's serious. Well, he is. Yeah, he's done his ACL. He's done his cruise shirt. And I said, oh, you're joking. I said, so you probably won't make the World Cup. I said, right, so that probably means you're going to be the captain. I said, right, I said, well, at this minute in time, I've nothing to say. Um, and then the day after, I just rang Craig, and, I, and he said, I call you. Looks as if Gary's out, but he came with us. He travelled with us and everyone else. So that was, because Gary is the best player I've played with. 
all round. Gary, Gary McAllister, you know, people talk to me about the best players I've played with, played against. Um, well, against, goodness me, there's a, there's a list against, but to, Alan Shearer, Gary McAllister's up there as the all-round best player I played with, and that was extremely disappointing that he didn't travel to the World Cup playing 98. I suppose that's maybe a side of football that gets you know forgotten because you know captaining your country is a proud moment, but it has to come. It comes around due to someone else's misfortune. It's all about opportunities yeah. and, and different moments, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I went to Bolton um, late in my career. And we, we beat uh, Preston in the playoff final. We got promoted to the Premiership. And I got injured the last game of pre-season, going into another Premiership season. And I was looking forward to that with Bolton. I think I would have been at, at that time about 35, 34, 35. And I got injured, I collided with the goalkeeper, missed the first game, missed the first three games of the season. And never, never got a game, really. I was like a substitute, never started. And that was the end of my career, or the beginning of the end of my career. Um, so that was disappointing for the likes of me because it's somebody's issue or something happens to them that somebody else steps in sort of thing and that's, that's how it works. Um, I mean, I've got to be honest, Captain Scotland, especially at such a fantastic um, tournament and, you know, it's, it's the greatest honour you could ever really, really have. I mean, you, you talk about sort of writing that script, captain in the country, at a World Cup, the opening game of the World Cup, Against only, Brazil, I mean, I think <laughs> somebody said to me, incredible. somebody said to me that it was only myself and Bobby Moore ever done that as British captains, opening the World Cup, being the, the, the British captain. So that'll do for me. Yeah, it's just no, it cannot doesn't get any better. All the pictures are still my mum's. Every, you go in the hallway, it's just bedecked with that said moment in time. Um, Something about Brazil as well that added sort of glamour and, and everything that comes well, with playing there. Well, you look at the. Rivaldo, Bebeto, Romario was on the bench, Dunga, Roberto Carlos, Tafarel, it's... Rolls off the tongue. I mean, you said a second ago there is a list of, you know, sort of best players you've played against. Ronaldo at that time is obviously red hot and a lot of the, the build-up was focused on around, you know, how we could stop him and so yeah. on. Where does he rank in terms of the best you've Well, faced? yeah, I mean, Romario was the best I'd played against because I played in a friendly for, um, for Blackburn against him. He was at Barcelona. He was on the bench that day. Uh, Ronaldo, of course, he's up there. Um, but he was injured, wasn't he? And there was a, an injury hanging over him pre-tournament. And the body, the governing body of the football in Brazil, Brazil football, and then I think it was Nike, had a distinct disagreement whether he should play, whether he shouldn't play. Um, but I would never have thought that a team that's going to make the final would have been beaten earlier in the tournament. Yeah. Because... Uh, when we played Morocco, um, obviously Morocco thought when, when they beat us, they thought we were going through with Brazil. Well, actually you're not. Uh, it's Norway, because Norway's beat Brazil and Marseille, which was crazy. It's, obvious, it's not just the football, when it's something as big as the World Cup, there's a lot goes on alongside that. Wearing the kilts, for instance, how did all that come about? Just an idea from the, from, from the boys, you know. It was like a one-off. I think we'd spoke about it in 96. Um, didn't really get somebody to, to to bite on that idea from that, you know, from the, from the commercial side of, side of things. But it was, that was really, really special. Did everyone buy into it or is there some in the squad perhaps a bit? A no, bit no, reluctant? everybody was right into it. 
everybody was really, really into it because at that, you know, because going back to Craig and how he set up everything, everybody felt was, that was involved, felt important, and it was important that that was like that. It was important at that, that point in time was that you were Scottish, even if you were born in England, even if you were there because you're Scot your granddad's Scottish, or your dad's Scottish, your mum's whatever, you're Scottish, you're playing for Scotland, you've been picked to play for Scotland, and that's it. Um, and that was, that was the, the focal point of it all. And then, of course, the traditional attire to walk out at the opening game of the World Cup. And I mean, the Brazilians, they just absolutely loved it, the fans. They're just, they're just like, they were just mesmerised by the whole thing. Listen, captain in the country against Brazil is all well and good, but let's get to the, the main talking point, your music video debut. Delamitri in the lead up to that World Cup. I watched it back this morning so, on YouTube. I did, a, I did a keep you up. So I, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm quite happy with that. I didn't drop the ball. Magnificent. So that's Prestwick Airport, isn't it? I watched it back this morning. Yeah. What was that like? That must have been a bit surreal. Well, obviously there's a lot of public in there. There's a few public and they're like, what in earth is going on here? But of course, doing, doing a spoof of what Brazil did with their one, it was just a, obviously a, a Mickey take. I'll, I'll give it a, the, the nicer word. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a lot of fun, um, and meeting the guys, Delamitri, and you know, it was, it was, it was just good. It was, it was great fun. These are the doors that a Scotland career opens for you. That you, you were on stage with Rod Stewart. You even told me before we started recording about a, a, a washing powder commercial that we're, we're a bit unsure of the details. So hopefully we can do a bit of research. Find, I will definitely find that one out. The washing powder, but. Uh, yeah, it'll be Rod, because Rod joined up with us um, and just out state of New York um, and when he was on tour. And again, from the, from the media point of view, he joined us for a training session. I mean, Rod loves his football, as everybody knows. Um, and then we attended the concert at Madison Square Gardens. We were very late for the concert, which was a massive disappointment to Rod. Um, but we, we ended up on stage and Koisty was there, and there was all these footballs, and we're just kicking footballs into the crowd at, at, at Lim, and it was again just surreal, you know. Because one minute, although you're great, you're very proud on what you've done and represent your country. You're, you're about to go to the World Cup. You're about to go to the Euros. Everything else, you're on you're on stage with one of the greatest performers in the world, and it's in Manchester Square Gardens. I think it held. 20, 20, 20,000 at that time, and it was stowed. You know, you couldn't get, you couldn't see us a, a seat, and it was just crazy. Sadly, the World Cup '98 doesn't end the way we want it to. We go crashing out. Did you ever think then that that, that would be it for another, you know, almost a generation? Now? No, no. Um, I thought there would be a diff, you know, a new a new phase of younger players coming through. Um, the problem, I think that we've had since is that when we when we were playing the World Cup in the Euro 96, the players that we had, we were choosing, were all playing at the top of the Premiership, who again, arguably, was the best league in Europe or whatever. Is it still, that argument's still there for anybody to discuss whether it is or whether it isn't. It is the richest league, the Premiership, in the world. But, um, no, I, I just think we don't have enough players these days at playing at that level. And, you know, if you look at Andy Robertson, you know, he's at Liverpool. And after that, young McTominay is at United. But then again, after that, there's not many at that sort of level. And 
two or three we've had recent, you know, over the years, like Darren Fletcher, who was at Man United recently, and he's not long, you know. So, but when we were all playing, there was Gary McAllister, John Collins was at Everton or Monaco. Gary was Paul Lambert was at Dortmund. We were at Blackburn. There was a load. There was like a good nucleus of eight, ten players. And I don't think we have that these days. And that's probably one of the main reasons, I would say, that we're not hitting the heights that we are at the minute. I mean, the first one we failed to make, if you like, would be Euro 2000. We didn't really make it easy for ourselves in the no. group, but it eventually no. culminates in a, a playoff against England, of course. Yeah, yeah. That that was then for me as well, as because I'd I struggled through the initial first leg here when we get beat 2-0. And then the second game when we beat England at Wembley, and I still go back to that, you're only as good as your last game, so that's beating England at Wembley, lads, there you go. Um, I was injured after the 90 minutes, so even if we had scored, and I remember Seaman pulling off a safe at Christian Daly, a header, um, and that would have made it 2-2 on aggregate, and we would have went to extra time, well, I was out. I, I, I was out after that for, a, for about three months. I would never lasted the injury, the, um, the extra time. Um, and then, of course, this, the campaign, after that was the end of it for me, sort of thing. How close do you, looking back on it, do you think we came to, to doing the business at Wembley and, and overcoming it? I suppose, like you mentioned, there are single moments well, within games. Well, we made the mistakes that, here. The mistakes yeah. were made here. You know, that was a disappointing part of it. Um, the two goals, goals and that, and that was, that was set plays was always a, a, a strength for us. We didn't really concede a lot of goals from, from from set plays because we always had to get, we always had to try and make teams play through us, and if they could, then they deserved to beat us, sort of thing. Like you say, you mentioned the, the sort of beginning of the end, if you like. So San Marino comes around, you get the goals. Um, it does sort of turn out to be the end of your international career yeah. with, with the six-game ban. How how do you reflect on on that then at the end of of such a good international career? Well, I wouldn't have changed the game because I was as innocent as it comes in the game from the incident that happened to the, the player that got carried off when he was waving to the Scottish fans when he was on the stretcher when he was getting carried off. Um, because it was nipping, it was just a bit of nipping talk. I, I couldn't see, by me, elbowing Albani, I think his name was Albani, if, if I remember rightly. Um, he's behind me. I never turned around once and strike him. So when I'm getting hit from behind, I'm retaliating. So I can't see what I'm doing except that. So when he's doing it and he's looking at me, I'm doing it back, but I'm watching the ball because the corner's coming over and I'm on a hat-trick. So I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm not getting involved with him, but I'm not going to let him punch me and nip me and whatever. And of course he's slipped and as I've gone like that, I've hit him in the jaw and he's sparkled, he's gone a wee bit. Um, but I thought, it was, I thought it was harsh because if, everything, if they'd seen everything that's gone on before it, but then again, in this present day, you'd have maybe, I don't know, 12 cameras at a game, 15 cameras, so you'd easily home in on that issue and say, hold on a minute, there's a bit of, you know, and he's he slipped, he slipped all band. But anyway, I'll not forget the two goals. You know, the two goals, one my right peg, one my left peg, the half volley, and I was on a hat-trick, so at half-time, Craig Brain says, you know, you'd be the first Scotland player that scored a hat-trick for trillions of years or whatever, um, I said, right, I'm, I'm going to have a go. So I was up at every set piece sort of thing. Um, but it was disappointing in the end to leave. That was my last game and that, you know, it was disappointing to leave Scotland on that note. Um, 
Bertie Volks took over after that, and of course Bertie, Bertie didn't send me a letter to say thanks for your service or anything like that. But I, I loved every minute of playing for my country. I was going to really, say, really, really yeah, you talk about, I mean, that individual moment is bound to be a, a disappointment, like you mentioned. But now that the time's gone past, you're able to ref reflect on it all. How do you, how do you reflect on that Scotland career? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, I changed some little bits of it, but you know, people talk to me about the goal and the guys a goal at Wembley and that's not a problem for me. Um, getting beat is a problem, you know, but yeah, and then again, we reversed that in 2000. Although, in the pro, in the, win that, win that fight, but we lose the battle sort of thing because we don't go to the, the, the Euros. Um, but no, I mean, captain your country and playing against, going to some nice places and everyone else, just, you know, 51 caps and happy. Not having my first cap until I was 27. Uh, possibly if I'd gotten earlier, then I might have had 100, but I'm quite happy with what I've done and, and, and every, every time I've represented my country. I mean, listening to you talking about your childhood memories and taking that all the way through to captaining against Brazil, I mean, it just seems it's like you, you, you lived the Scotland fan dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. In the northeast of Scotland, there where you know, Keith's a small place. I've got some of the locals there still go to the games. The boys were out there last week in Israel. Um, it, it still happens. It still goes on. It's never going to change. And 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 their kids are going through with them now. So, I was a kid, thirty years, forty years ago, um, going to Spain, or well, thirty-five years ago going to Spain, and you know, it's they've, they've got they've got their kids now. Or our kids, my kids now would be them, them going through sort of things. So generations move on, but they're still doing it. They're still supporting the, our country. Colin, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. You make me want to go up the road and watch Braveheart <laughs> in my Scotland jersey and relive Face all. Face painted. Absolutely. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much. Top man. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.